Welcome, my new birth family. Thank you for joining us in this midweek uh, service. Uh, for those of you who've been following uh, the sermon series that our lead pastor Gabby has been uh, sharing, you know it has been amazing. So many testimonies coming in, uh, so many lives are being touched and transformed. And we just give God all the glory and all the honor. Hey, listen, I want to thank our lead pastor, Gabby Mahir, for giving me this opportunity to be able to share God's word and be a small part uh, of this series. Today is going to be so good. Uh, man, this word right here, I'm telling you, take out your Bibles. We're going to read some scripture. Take out your notepad, uh, iPad, whatever it is that you use to uh, uh, record down notes. Take notes because this word is going to bless your soul. Amen. So are you ready? Let's go. Let's dig in. Mark chapter 6, verse 41. We're going to begin there to save time. Mark chapter 6, verse 41. Uh a story many of you heard, many of you read, the story of when God multiplies the five loaves and two fish. But there's something in here that uh, I believe is going to bless you. So get ready, fasten your seatbelts, because this is going to get good, New Birth Fam. We want to welcome all of our friends that are visiting us. For those who are not uh, uh, part of the New Birth Family, thank you for joining us uh, here on our uh, midweek service. We appreciate you uh, and we pray God's blessings over your life. Are you ready? Mark chapter 6 uh, verse 41. My eyes have been getting a little weary on me so I need a little help uh, here. Uh, Mark chapter 6 verse 41. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. Now remember, that's not including the women and children. So it's an estimate about fifteen thousand. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. I want to talk this evening on the title, Leftovers. Leftovers. I want you to type that in the comments. Leftovers. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit will bring conviction to us as you speak to us. Father, that this revelation, Lord, of your word, Father God, that we may apply it, Lord, so that we can see transformation. Father, your word changes us. I pray, Father God, that after this, Lord, we may uh, uh, tune out, Lord, and ask ourselves the question, Father, what is it that I need to change in my thinking? Father, challenge us. Challenge us this evening through the power of your word. 
Father, so that we can in turn, Lord, be able to live out the purpose in which you have designed us for. Father, I give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen. Now, I don't know about you, but there's some restaurants where I go and I eat, and I'm just not too fond about taking leftovers with me. Uh, I don't know how, how you are when you go to restaurants, but that's just me. For some reason, you know, it just, you know, leftovers for me from a restaurant just doesn't taste good the next day when you microwave it. Um, now, on the other hand, leftovers from a, a good home cooking, let me tell you something. Now that, you best believe, I'm going to have me some leftover, especially when it has to do with leftovers from Thanksgiving. All of us love some leftovers from Thanksgiving. I mean, Thanksgiving leftovers, that can last you for about two weeks. And it still tastes good. Listen, maybe the fact that I know who made the food, uh, maybe I know the person who made my meal, uh, may be the reason why I really, really enjoy uh, home-cooked uh, leftovers. Uh, it's just different. It's just a, a, a different feel to it. Now, in this biblical story, uh, the biblical story describes one of the earliest and greatest miracles that Jesus ever performed to the point that they were leftovers. Stay with me. The key word here is leftovers. One of the questions I ask myself as I read this story uh, is the multiplication of the bread and the fish. Why did Jesus multiply so much food? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Why did Jesus multiply so much food? I mean, there were way more than 5,000 people, and instead of providing only for those present, he made enough for them, over 15,000 people, 5,000 men, not including the, men, the, the, the women and children. Estimated about 15,000. He made, he multiplied enough fish and loaves of bread for them and then some. Why so many leftovers? Why so many leftovers? Jesus, he should have given the 12 baskets back to the kid who gave up his lunch. But he didn't. It almost sounds like Jesus was into wasting food. Can you believe that? <laughs> Listen, Jesus could have at least distributed the leftovers among the multitudes, but he didn't. This is what he did do. Jesus instructs the disciples to gather up the leftovers. Can you believe this? He instructs the disciples, tells them, go amongst the crowd Pick up the leftovers, put them in the basket. Look at verses 42 to 45. Let's read that again. Here we go. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethesda when he dismissed the crowd. I'm sorry, 
Let, let, look at verse 42. I'm reading uh, 45. It's supposed to be 42. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. They picked up 12 basketfuls of loaves of bread and fish. Now, upon collecting the leftovers, verse 45 says that immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. They gathered the baskets of food, loaded it into the boats, and immediately they sailed out. Now, let's explore the verse a little further. Jesus had the disciples working all day, correct? He, they were distributing food for over 15,000 people in the hot sun. They were sweating. They were tired. They now had to go in the midst of the crowd to collect the leftovers, put it in the basket. Now, let me ask you, where did the baskets come from? Better yet, where's your basket? Do you have a basket? And if you do, look inside your basket. How is your basket? Is it empty? You might have a basket right now. And the basket is empty. I want you to know, don't be discouraged. Because your basket is empty. Because Jesus is here and he'll fill your basket. Listen, if you come, if you don't come, to him expecting a breakthrough, if you don't come to him expecting a miracle, if you don't come to him expecting him to do great things in you and through you, guess what? It will never happen. You will never get your breakthrough. You might be looking at your basket and becoming discouraged because there's nothing in it. Listen, we serve the God who fills our baskets. So don't be discouraged if you have a basket and there's nothing in it. Listen, one thing that this little boy teaches us, he teaches us this. He teaches us that you can do more with your surrender than you can with trying to hold on. The little boy surrendered it to him. And Jesus multiplied it. So much so that there were leftovers. Now, here we have 12 men placing these baskets filled with bread and fish on a boat. Now, you have to use your imagination here. Work with me. Work with me. Use your imagination here. Let's look at the scene. Pieces of bread everywhere. The smell of fish. Mm. Do you see the flies? The flies flying over the fish. Can you see the distorted pieces coming out of the baskets? Now they are selling on a boat. They got all these baskets filled with fish and bread on the boat. Flies infested on the baskets. They're sailing away. And Jesus is nowhere to be found. He leaves them alone with the stench of fish and flies everywhere. The question of why the leftover still tugs at my heart. Look at verses 
46 and 48. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. Verse 48. He saw the disciples straining, having a hard time at the oars, the oars of the, the paddle, at the oars because the wind was against them. The wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them. So they're in the middle of a storm. The winds are raging. But Jesus sees them from the mountainside where he's praying. This is interesting. Jesus commanded the disciples to go into the sea by themselves while Jesus stood alone on land to pray. Listen, Jesus knew the storm was going to rise. Ain't you happy that God knows when you go into the storm, before you get to the storm, he knows it. Listen, nothing surprises God. Nothing shocks God. Nothing catches God by surprise. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He knows what's about to happen to you, around you, before it ever happens. He's looking at you. He's watching you. He's looking at the disciples as they're going away with all the baskets of the leftovers in the boat, they go into the sea, a storm begins to rage, and he's watching them. Here's the question. Why didn't he go with them? Why didn't he at least warn them? Have you ever been in a situation where you at least want a little warning from God? God, give me a drink. God, send somebody. Speak to me at least. Give me heads up before I go through what I go through, Lord. Listen, there was no heads up. There was no warning. Bam! A storm came out of nowhere. Listen, he could have at least postponed the trip. Why did Jesus let them go through this storm? Have you ever asked yourself why? Listen, all of us have been in the why. All of us have asked God, why? Why me? Why now? Why my family? Why my children? Why my spouse? Why my job? Why my business? Why my career? Why in the middle of my ministry? All of us have been through the why. And let me tell you something, we will continue in our whys. This ain't the first time and it won't be the last time. Why did that, that, that you put me in this boat to leave me alone. Have you ever been there? God, why did you put me in this situation? Not only am I in this situation, but you're nowhere to be found. Where are you, God? I'm yelling. I'm screaming. I'm scared for my life. I'm scared for my health. I'm scared for my children. I'm scared for my marriage. I'm scared for my, my ministry. God, where are you? You put me in this situation. Not only did you put me in this situation, you're nowhere to be found. Where are you when I need you? And there's something 
The disciples were there for the thousands of people. They were serving them. Jesus was there for the thousands of the people that were hungry. I could imagine the disciples must have been thinking, man, Jesus, I worked for you. I served the masses. I was doing ministry. I was there with you, taking care of the people. You fed them, yet you sent me on a trip from hell, and you're not even here. I mean, it's bad enough you sent me, but now you're not even here with me. What's up with that? <laughs> Listen, sometimes the whys of life blind us from the what of God. That's right. Sometimes the whys of life blind us from the what of God. You see, it doesn't matter whether or not we, we know the whys of life as long as we know what God has declared over us. That's what's important. But the question still stands. New Raphael, why did Jesus command them to take the leftovers? Here we go. You ready? Write this down. Here's the answer to the million dollar question. Why did Jesus command them to take the leftovers? Here's why. To remind them of his supernatural power in the midst of a providential process. You see, the multiplication of the fish was a supernatural miracle. The process of going through the storm was a providential miracle. Jesus wanted them to look at the baskets in the boat as a point of reference of what he had done hours ago. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, the baskets in the boat was to remind them of Jesus' power, of Jesus' authority, of the sovereignty of Jesus. You see, they were so caught up in the storm around them, they were so caught up in the winds that they failed to see God's miracle right inside the boat. Listen, my friend, like the disciples, many of you right now, you've got your focus on the wrong thing. You've got your focus on the problem. You've got your focus on the situation. You've got your focus where your focus should not be at. I'm here to let you know that if you just look around a little more, if you just look a little closer and focus, you'll be able to see some leftovers. <laughs> some of you are crying, Lord, deliver me. God says, nope, but I will develop you. Go through. Because in your storm, I left you some leftovers. Look around, look around. The fact that, that your marriage has been restored, that's a leftover. The fact that, that your son or your daughter could have been doing 10 to 15 years in prison, but yet they're out free, that's a leftover. The fact that you didn't die in that car accident, that, my friend, is a leftover. The fact that someone in your family had, had, was supposed to have lost their job, but didn't lose their job, my friend, that is a leftover. The fact that God healed you from some terminal uh, 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 sickness, that, my friend, 
is a leftover. You see, these leftovers that God leaves behind, it's a reminder that if he did it then, he can do it again. It doesn't matter how dark the situation may seem. As long as God got some leftovers, I can look at the leftovers and be encouraged in the Lord. Although I don't see him, I don't feel him, the fact that I can look at the leftover is an encouragement, is a testament that he is still God. He's a sovereign God. He's got my back. He's called me for this. I don't understand it. I don't see him. I don't comprehend it. I may not feel him, but I got some leftovers. The leftovers could be a testimony of what God did before. Look out for the leftovers, church. Look out. They're in there. They're in the middle of your storm. All you got to do is focus, not on the waves, not on the wind, not on the storm. Focus on the leftovers. Listen, storms are not meant to kill you. They are meant to build your character. They're meant to build endurance. They're meant to build perseverance. Why? Because it's preparing you for something bigger, for something greater. What's coming is bigger. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard of what God is about to do in your life, uh, in your ministry, in your business, in your family. I'm telling you, church, get ready, get ready. Focus on the leftovers. It's a reminder of the power of God. Storms are meant to grow you. If you can focus on the leftovers, you'll be encouraged. But you're focusing on the storm. You're focusing on the waves. Guess what? You're going to be very, very discouraged. You're going to have a long night. You see, the disciples, they missed it. They missed the leftovers. So it was a very long night for them. Let's read verse 48 to 50. Look what it says. It says, he saw the disciples straining. They were struggling. At the oars, because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them. But when he saw them walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Now, this is interesting. Watch this. The three words, the sentence, shortly before dawn, implies they were in the storm all night. It was a very long night for the disciples. It implies they were in the storm all night fighting against the winds. They were tired. They were exhausted. They were cold. They were afraid. They were troubled. Listen, they might have concluded in their mind, if I get through this, and if I get to the dry land, I'm leaving this man called Jesus. <laughs> I'm throwing in the towel. I'm quitting. Have you ever been there? You've been in such situation. You missed to, to look at the leftovers. That you focus so much on the problem. So much on the storm. You fail to look at the leftovers that he left you. That now you want to quit. Some of you already threw in the towel. But listen. I 
believe in a God of second chance, third chance, fourth chance, and fifth chances. I believe God is picking up that towel, throwing it right back into your face, and he is telling you, you ain't done. I ain't done with you. So pick up yourself, get up, because in the name of Jesus, you will get through this. I'm trying to teach you something. I've got something bigger, something greater for your life. They probably were thinking, man, listen, I can't believe he put me in this predicament. He put me in this situation. And all we've done is obey this man, Jesus. All we've done is obey him. His every command. And now he puts us through this. Man, I'm out. I'm out of here. I'm doing this. Maybe you find yourself in that situation. Maybe you find yourself where, man, God has turned his back on you. Oh, my friends, you could not be more wrong. You could not be more wrong. You see Jesus walking. He sees them. They see him and they think he's a ghost. It ain't no ghost. It's Jesus. Jesus was walking over sinking water. Jesus always finds stability in every situation of your life. Notice how the composition of the water didn't change. However, he walked over the unwalkable. <laughs> you see, he didn't calm the waves or the winds before he walked to them. He didn't calm the winds. No, he didn't calm the waves. No, he walked to them even as the storm was happening. You see, Jesus is trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us that you can walk through the storm and not fear. He walked right through the storm. And when he got in with them on the belt, the Bible says that the winds became still. The waves became still. You see, that's the God that you and I serve. He's a miracle working kind of God. He's a promise keeper. That is who he is. You see, Jesus reveals God as the God of leftovers. Those leftovers are there to help us remember the promises of God. They help us to remember the goodness of God. They help us to remember the faithfulness of God. Leftovers are there to remind you that God is greater than your worries, greater than your regrets, greater than your failures, greater than your insecurities. God is greater than your fears, greater than your problems, and greater than anything that you and I will ever face. Anything. So I want to encourage you, Newberg family and friends that are watching. I want to encourage you to declare what God already said about you as you face your storms, as you face your trials, as you face your problems. I want you to stand right there. I want you to look at some leftovers in your life. And I want you to declare with your voice, I am blessed and highly favored. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am blessed going out and coming in. I am a blessing. I expect a blessing. I express blessings. I manifest blessings. I experience blessings, not based on what I can do, but because of what Jesus already did on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. So my friends, I want to encourage you today. 
I want you to stand firm on the promises of God over your life. I want you to look around and focus on the leftovers. Because when you focus on the leftovers, you will be encouraged. You might not see him. You might not hear from him. You might not fit, but listen, if you can just look at the leftovers, it will give you strength. It will remind you that he is God in spite of what you see or what you feel or what you don't feel. I'm telling you, focus on the leftovers. My friends, if you're listening to me today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you want a relationship with Jesus, very simple. The Bible says that all you have to do is if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So I want you to make this prayer. We say, Lord, I come before you a sinner. I recognize that without you, I am nothing. Without you, I cannot do anything. Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I recognize that I'm a sinner. Wash my sins away with the blood of Jesus and fill me with the Holy Spirit to guide me, to teach me all of your truth in Jesus' name. My friend, if you prayed that prayer, you are saved. New Birth family, thank you for joining us. We will see you Sunday. God bless you. God keep you. God be with you.